This episode of Arcaspeak is sponsored by RCAT, and by now you have definitely heard us talk about RCAT, and hopefully you've taken the time to visit their site, because this is a great tool for you. From small architectural firms to government agencies, everyone can benefit from what they've created. RCAT has huge libraries of free content. Big. Massive, right? Enormous. Enormous. Uh, ginormous, right? That's a word. That's ginormous. officially a word now, right? I it think is. it is. Um, I'm not, I don't know when that happened. But anyway, so we have CAD, BIM, specifications, and more. Not we, they do. RCAT, that is. And why is it important to you? Because RCAT has done all of the work for you. I need a spec. You need a spec? Yeah. So it's in the CSI three-part master format, available in multiple file formats. And this is just one example. RCAT has tons of building product content ready for you to use. And guess what? It's all free to use. You don't have to register to download content. I know. I don't know about you, Evan, but that that's a big time saver for me. Yeah, but, just leave the page if that happens. Exactly. That's exactly what you do. So with RCAT, you don't have to do that. And if you've had to use other sites like that, that you must have to register to content, that's just a pain in the butt. Nobody wants to do it. Why bother? Just go straight to RCAT. Go to RCAT.com, get all of this information free of charge. Yeah, and on the last episode, we, we kind of joked around and talked about the augmented reality cat. And so RCAT uh, retweeted us uh, on that, and they actually put a link to, I thought this was pretty cool because uh, this was not on my radar, that they had released VRCAT, which is the uh, the augmented reality cat's nemesis, is the virtual reality cat. And uh, it's pretty cool. So if if you guys have uh, a Vive headset or a, an Oculus, head over to the Steam store and you can pick up VR Cat, and you can design in 3D. And it's a pretty cool tool that RCAT has put together. And I love the play on the on the logo with the VR Cat. So check it out. We'll put a link to that in the show notes uh, just just as a little bonus there as well um, because it's it's pretty cool. So thanks RCAT for sponsoring this episode of Arcaspeak. And we're also sponsored by BQE. When you need to know your project's earned value at a moment's notice, I know I need to know that all the time. I like to look at those charts and graphs. Absolutely. So if you're up late wondering which clients to take care of first, turn to BQE Core. It combines project management, billing, accounting, and business intelligence all in one elegant, accessible platform. Made by BQE, the makers of ArchiOffice. Everybody's heard of ArchiOffice, right? Yeah. Core's unparalleled insights, native mobile apps, and powerful automation will transform your firm. I need that. Learn more and get a free trial at www.bqe.com slash core. And thanks to BQE for sponsoring this episode of Arcaspeak. <laughs> Welcome to Arcaspeak, the podcast that talks about what it's like to work in the profession of architecture. Welcome to episode 126 of the Arcaspeak podcast. I'm Neil Pan. I'm Evan Troxell. And I'm Cormac Phelan. So this episode, we got somebody to write in and ask us a couple of questions about where do our ideas come from? And the, the word that they used was party. And so we don't probably use that word as much as we used to. I know that was a big word when we were in school. <laughs> it was a it was the frequency in school. Yeah. So basically, you know, where where does the where does the where do the ideas come from and how do you come upon them? I guess one of the one of the more interesting questions that I see is is can you tell what the party is by analyzing a favorite building? And and again, that kind of takes me back to schools because we did case studies all the time. And I don't know if we do that mentally now or do it physically anymore. But um, it was one of those things that we, we did a lot of in school. So I thought it's a good topic because it, I'm all, I, I love the idea of, of having a, a design party for a, for a project. And well, I was going to ask, you know, so was the listener, did he write in, was he asking about um, our party for, you know, how we approach architectural projects or was it yes. how we approach the um, the podcast because no architecture if you know if, i was gonna say because if it's the podcast you know if we have this chief organizing thought as the you know wikipedia dictionary would say mm -hmm. uh, we don't nope 
just we'll go ahead and just put that one out there. Roll we with have it. no organizing thought in what we <laughs> do here at all. No, it's 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 ad hoc. It's because we all have normal <laughs> jobs too. So Evan, should should we not maybe define the term party if if people Let's don't do it. know it? Okay, so uh, according to Wikipedia. The term party usually, let's see, literally translates as departure point, but in architecture lingo, it is most often referred to the project's big idea. It signifies an architect's overall guiding idea for a design. Yep. So if you've never heard the Good term, definition. I still, now, I like, now you have. I like the department or the uh, departure point. So. Also, if you look at it, because um, we used to also say it in Auburn, you know, the party pre, yeah, you know, the um, and add that on there, and then that was meant decision taken, right? Mm. And uh, that's what, that's we were, when you've we, actually like you've moved from design ideas idea. and options to the idea. This is it. Yeah. This yeah. Is it. So so how do you? Okay. So let's let's um, talk about this. How how do you how do you guys start with? Um, your big idea. I mean, you, you're here. You are. You've just, uh, you know, signed your contract with your um, new client, and you've sat down. You've started talking to them. How do you? Well, or what's the process to get to the big party? What kind of party do you throw for your party? <laughs> yeah. So, there's so many ways to get there. Uh, I don't. I don't have like a formula to do it. And I think you guys is probably kind of similar because absolutely, it's one of those things where it it there's so many variables in play that it it's something that develops on its own to some extent. I mean, you're, you're kind of guiding it and looking for it, but it's one of those things where, you know, if, if, if I'm doing a, an elementary school and I've got three different user groups, that's, I'm going to come upon it one way. And if I'm doing this, like this latest project that I'm working on right now, where, uh, this is a project reboot where we're completely redoing a project that we've already done a hundred percent because of funding issues. We've taken a step back and they've, they've said, okay, we're going to, we're going to do over. Um, and we already know so much because we've done the project before. Uh, this one is quite a bit different. We're just kind of on our own to, to develop the party. Sometimes I'm, I'm mining, information and then sometimes right. i'm um kind of coming up with my own inspiration of what's gonna what's gonna guide our team to create kind of the first uh, presentation of the party to the client you you're bringing up a good point and so you know and i, I don't know where the listener was coming from whether or not he's a student um or you know uh, active professional non-architect but yeah non-architect oh that's right non-architect yeah. I, I forgot that um okay so you alluded to the fact that you know we use it less in the profession than we did when we were in school and in school we really had the idealized situation where we were creating you know this thing from an idea or a nugget that we were given as part of um the syllabus you know, like this is what you're going to do, but you need to develop the party and you need to develop everything around it. Yeah, they give you a framework or, or guidelines or a program, and then you have to develop the party. Right, but what you were, <clears throat> what you were just list listing off was really the the reality of where kind of big ideas don't come from just one place. There's they really have kind of this context to them, mm -hmm. and so really. I mean, to me, a lot of it basically comes with a context and it's not just a context of where that building's going to be sitting on the site or things like that. That's one of them. But another one is, is everything that you were listing about who are the user groups, you know, what's going to be the chief thing about this particular building or the use of this building. I mean, there's, you know, so many different things about it. So it's kind of interesting because there, the big ideas can come from, you know, oh, you know, like take for instance, and we're doing Duke School of Nursing and Physical Therapy, a, a third building in the School of Nursing. And one of the things, because it's physical therapy, is we've got this uh, entry vestibule common space. Um, you know, you go through the entry vestibule into this big common space. And this big common space was supposed to really feel Duke. Um, and for some people who know Duke, they know what that means. And I didn't, and I needed to learn. 
Um, but you know, it's a collegiate Gothic campus. And even though the new medical campus is kind of going beyond your standard, uh, collegiate Gothic and it's doing more of a modern interpretation of collegiate Gothic. We needed to develop a party for this common space. Cause that was what's really going to be the, the Duke space. Yes. I did just use air quotes again. <laughs> <laughs> Can you guys tell yeah, us? I could actually. <laughs> and so one of the things that we did was, you know, because this was a, you know, school of physical therapy dealing with the human skeleton and, and, you know, the human body and things like that. That was kind of where I developed the idea, or at least even the team, you know, I'd been talking even before I got on it, is taking elements or ideas from the human body and kind of working through an idea, you know. Yeah. And and so the thing that we were doing is like, you know, the I've got kind of a very skeletal structural system that's exposed. It's got, you know, your Gothic arches, but it's in a very more modern interpretation of it with plate and pin connections for each of these to kind of represent joints and things. And started doing diagrammatic explorations between joints and, and steel plates and things like that. And so it's interesting that the partee, kind of bring it back to where partee in this particular case was purely very specific to that particular element of the building and kind of developed it from there. Well, I think what's interesting about the the big idea on projects is this is a great question if you're ever jurying a uh, a design charrette or a, yeah. or going to a like a midterm or a final crit at school in a design studio because if if somebody cannot clearly state their big idea then it, it the project ultimately is very difficult for anyone to read. Because as soon as, if you can state the big idea and it's, this goes back to the original, one of the parts of the original question, which was, you know, do you, can you tell, can you analyze a building and, and see what informed that entire project? Can you tell what the party is? And, and I think good buildings are readable by not only architects, but by the general public as they go through the space. If they can figure it out, then that's a successful translation from beginning to end of a strong party. And so what is a party? How, how does it, how is it manifested? Is it, because I think it doesn't just have to be a drawing, although typically in architecture it is, it could be a sketch, it could right. be a diagram, uh, it could be a 3D diagram, it could be a 2D diagram, right, right, right. but it could also be like just a sentence. It could be written. It's, it, I think there's so many ways to kind of start. So like when you go back and you think about where that big idea came from, sometimes it's just words and thoughts and Sometimes it's a collage of similar images. Uh, sometimes it's, I don't know, there's so many, you know, sketches in a sketchbook. But but I think what's right. interesting is, yeah, you it should be a common thread. And, and the way that in my work that it really is a useful tool, I guess, not just a, a foofy architecture thing that only architects talk about, is that it is something that you can go back to and always use as a guiding principle for the building and say, is this true to the original idea? Is this true to the big idea? That helps us make sure that we're on the right path throughout the entire thing. It helps you make the right decisions because it all has to be grounded on that big idea. It was not a very eloquent way to say that, but <laughs> it's interesting. I, I don't know how you guys do it in, in your office, but one of the things that the principal in charge, every time we have a pinup, and we're going through, you know, design changes and things like that. One of the things that he always says is, you know, what's your big idea? You know, have you lost it? Has is is it still apparent in, you know, the, all these multiple changes, you know? Like you were saying earlier, now we're layering all these different user groups, you know, on this and stuff and has that kind of lost the big idea or is the big idea still maintained throughout the process and and, and those are, you know, it, it's great to kind of like continue to keep talking about that and make sure that that's kind of, you know, part of the, um, yes, part of the idea. I think it's a central focus of the presentations with the client so that everybody's on the same page. Otherwise that it, it's way too easy to lose when somebody's special interests get involved. So that's actually where I was going with it is that, so it's great that this particular question came from uh, a non-architect because we have these pinups and we talk about, you know, the big idea 
all the time and how, you know, the big idea is still relevant or not relevant and stuff like that. And so, but, but we understand it and we're looking for it and we want to make sure that we as architects and designers and stuff are making that it's still coherent all the way through. But because this was a question that came from a non-architect and actually it's, does that big idea resonate with them? Right. Is it, is still it relatable? Understood. Yeah. Exactly. Do they understand what it means? And, and if it's still throughout the whole process relatable for them, that's really where the success of the building is. Yeah. It's an interesting thing because it, I, I see a lot of architects who we've talked about this before, designed by Google in that episode, we talked about <laughs> yeah. pulling a yeah. bunch of images together of a bunch of different things that you like and you know who cares if you really like it i mean it's just it's one of those things where you're pulling a bunch of elements off of different buildings and slamming them all together and making something i mean that's that's not designed with a party in mind i mean the the language is in service to the idea ultimately it should be to, for that kind of clarity that you want to reach with the project otherwise it is incredibly hard to read and understand by right. not let alone architects right but it but actually the the people, the users of the building. It often manifests in a diagram. And we sometimes now we just call it a, what's the diagram, right? We don't even say the word party anymore, but it is a party diagram. Right, right. If you go to like Big's website, their whole front page, at least it used to be, I don't know if it still is, was like this periodic table of diagrams. And it, because their buildings are all about the diagram. You know that also when you go visit the diagrams. And I think the, the best types of architecture and I'm kind of thinking about where where you live Cormac you know the Washington DC area when when you go to Pays Museum or if you go to the Goog up in New York or if you go you know it's right. incredibly clear what the idea is in, exactly. in in these great kind of master works of architecture and I think that's something that we all strive for when we're creating our clients projects and that's when so like the clarity of the diagram was really something that we had talked about uh, as as part of like the big idea, again you you got all these different user groups who've got all these different constraints that are overlying, you know this one general idea and this this big idea and how it was you know maintained through it and and so as you're saying like when you can go into a building and you can immediately pick up on like the clarity of the idea you know like this big idea so like let's just use the the pay. Um, National Gallery, you go in there and you're into this big central space and everything kind of, much like the Guggenheim, everything kind of radiates off of this big central space. But and so you go in there, and but the circulation is very clear. Everything that kind of like the idea, the decisions, the, you know, let's go back to the big idea are all very clear in the building. So you don't have to guess at what it is, what it does, and what you need to do to kind of interact with the building. And it doesn't mean the building has to be simple either. It could be right, incredibly right. complex. Absolutely. I think some of my favorite some of my favorite examples are what uh, Todd Williams, Billy Chen do. I mean, they actually oh, absolutely they actually have these diagrams usually embedded into the building at some point. Like when I went to visit the uh, Neurosciences Institute in La Jolla, I mean, they actually have bas relief castings in the concrete of the party diagrams. And and they're kind of like fun to go find because it's like a little treasure hunt, kind of right? Cool. They're little Easter eggs. And I have some pictures of them. I'll, I'll post it in the show notes so you can see. But think of the Salk Institute, another fantastic example of a very clear party. Yes, it presents itself as simple, but it is incredibly complex to get to that point. And it takes a level of complete understanding and mastery to actually pull it off on at that level. Don't you think that I, I think the successful party um, let's use it this is a, is that the complexity has been thought through so completely that it becomes very simple yeah that you know you've you've seen all of the different ideas and how it works and and because it's such a complex building to make it really work and really because we're not designing for architects. We're designing for the everyday user or in this particular, like the Salk Institute, you know, this is a scientific research center. And, and so it's got to be very simple so that they don't have to struggle to get to their, you know, wherever they're working or wherever they're doing their research because you made an overcomplicated building or, you know, something. So take all of the complex things about it. I mean, 
distill it down and make it work so simply that they don't have to struggle at the work that they're doing within the building. Sometimes, you know, sometimes it's a really refined diagram, but sometimes it's just a sketch, right? Sometimes, like I, I think about Gary's yeah. work yeah, and and you look at kind of the initial sketch and then the final outcome of the building, no matter what it is. I mean, you can always see the seed of that idea in that sketch. And sometimes yeah. they just look like, you know, wadded up paper on it on the desk or whatever. Right. But, but it's, it's amazing how it does translate. And I think, I think for, for a non-architect that might be kind of hard to see, but for those who, who are kind of used to it, it's like, that's really cool to see that kind of make its way through the entire project. Even starting off as the most simple, fragile single lines on a page turning into a, a building at the end. I mean, they're, those people who work in Gary's office work incredibly hard to ensure that that intent makes it all the way through to the end from that crazy sketch in the beginning, that napkin sketch. I can only imagine, but I mean, you know, we do it as well. And and if you think about it, you know, when you start off with a project and you're kind of doing this, these real quick sketches with the client and you're talking about, well, you know, it could be this or this or this, that may be the most successful Part of the project is getting those initial ideas out on paper, and but and then it's the struggle to get it from from that initial idea to the end and maintain that energy and that kind of exuberance of those sketches in the meeting when you were sitting down and kind of really pouring every bit of idea that you have, they have, and everybody else that was sitting at the table has and try to like just keep maintain that line all the way through to the end yeah. then when you're handing the keys back over to them now now what about project projects that don't have this i mean that to me that's that's oh, fairly yeah. what sets architecture apart from buildings and and architects and architects do buildings all the time so i i don't want to try to yeah. belittle it in any way i mean there's there's lots of times when we have to do like you know have <laughs> Some uh, a maintenance building or this or that or it doesn't matter. And I'm just wondering, like we've all done projects. Is that a shot at me? <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> I forgot my very first your very first project. But I mean, just just thinking about it in that it's not always something that that happens. I guess is and so as far as like the I, I guess what what I'm wondering is is there an awareness in your guys's offices? I mean maybe. Neil, you tell me with your guys' stuff, because your stuff is very different from what, what we're doing. We, you know, you're doing complexes, you've got... Buildings. Um, you you you're, defined you're, it earlier. We do buildings. Doing, That's okay. No, I'm wondering... No, I, well, no but, what I was wondering was, do you guys have an awareness of Parti in the projects that you do? Because what I meant by you're doing complexes is like, you're doing incredibly dense living environments multifamily housing i mean you're stacking and you're there's so much going on there is it is it really just more developer driven or is it or is there a, an art and architecture is there a party going on in there or because i'm sure that it's different depending on the project so how do i answer that the simple answer is probably no but it's a little more complex than that because let me give you an example so I'm doing affordable rehab projects right now. So I'm dealing with existing buildings and we're rehabbing them. But at the same time, we're also on at least three of them. I'm adding uh, small community buildings to them. And mm -hmm. in, in one, it's attached and in and two others, they're separate buildings. And so there is sort of a party going on. There certainly is a... What are we trying to do here? Uh, sort of design idea behind it. And in one, I actually, instead of doing the client, I guess I want to, I want to go back as, as we're talking here to get sort of more towards the beginning on this, the way I see it, the, the party for us is oftentimes, or for me, I shouldn't say us for me. What are the client's needs and desires? Uh, what are they? What is what is their hope or need that they need to have, or to get out of this building or this uh, space that they're asking us to do? And so, for me at least, that's 
that's our that's my guiding principle uh and something that i return to when we're making decisions as you mentioned earlier evan how do you answer some of these questions that you come upon during a design process and i always mm-hmm. go back to okay what are the needs of this building what is the client need and yep. we use that to make those decisions so that is kind of our party that we're working yeah. towards. And in this one example, the client wants a community building. It has certain things that it has to have, but the way I saw it and it, it's going in this location that it's at the end of a, a parking area and it's the other side of it's a small open patio space, basically not small, but not real big either. And they just wanted to put a big building there. And one of my thoughts was, okay, we have these spaces that we need to provide, one of which is a laundry, one of them is a service office maintenance, and then the other is kind of a community space, which has some kitchen facilities and some computer facilities for training and other things. And to me, I saw that as two separate sort of things. And so actually, I split the building. And it took some convincing because the client, you know, this is an affordable housing developer, they see one building as, as simple, right, and, and, and cheaper. And so I'm like, no, we're going to actually, let's split this apart. That way, from the parking right. area, as people you know, come into the project, they have an avenue. They have some space to come through, and we can put some trees and benches in there between the buildings and... That way, when they're doing laundry or they're coming to meet at the services office or something, if there's somebody there, they have a place to hang out and we can create this little space in between. And so for for me, it was like, okay, I took their desires and their wants and their needs, but then added the architecture, the twist. How can I make this a better space? And so again, answering the questions, going back and saying, um, you know, what do they need? And then how can I make that better? But we're still meeting the need. Am I meeting? Because I couldn't have convinced them to do the two buildings if I couldn't convince them that I was still meeting their need, their part of the party, right. their big right. idea, right? And making it better, right? And like, making it better. make Giving that layer of clarity to the people who are going to be using that facility all the time. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, or so and that an happens on a lot of our projects. It's more kind of what are the needs? And sometimes for what we do, if I go back to some of the multifamily stuff, is the needs of the client are we need so many different type plan types or building types and so many units on this property. And how do we make that all happen? So the guiding principles are oftentimes numbers that you know we're trying to hit so many bedrooms, baths for each right, right. unit and square footages. It's yeah. very much programmable. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. And so there's not that big idea. Although coming back to our affordable stuff, when we're doing two of the projects I'm doing on the affordable side are very older, older buildings, 60 years old. And so they're really run down apartments. So we're actually reskinning them and tearing out the jip board and redoing the electrical and everything. So it's, it's a big job. And so there is a design guiding principle that we're applying, you know, the the client wanted something a little more modern. And so we're getting to play with that, you know, smaller, you know, less detailing uh, around the windows. We're not doing all the normal kind of um, craftsman sort of things that we could maybe do on residential, but, but we're getting much more modern on these buildings. So, so we're coming back to that and, and we're doing those types of things. And that is our party. We're coming back to those ideas and then how do we implement them throughout? So, you know, it, it's fun. And, and it's it's something a little different, but it's not on the same sort of scale where we do a little squiggly sketch or something and we say, okay, that's our that's our guiding principle and that's the kind of layout. I know we'll have some images uh, of Salk and uh, your Neuro Institute photos, which, by the way, are, are Neuroscience Institute photos, which are fantastic. I was just taking a peek at them. And yeah, we don't really have those sort of things that, kind of guide our buildings because in residential it's a little different but uh, but that can happen i mean i've done stuff like that before where 
you have this design idea at the beginning and it could be just a sketch and you can see how that you want to keep that in there throughout so and sometimes that's frustrating when your client changes something it's like oh now i've lost that so that's a challenge i was gonna say or you just try your damnedest to uh try to convince them that why you want to keep that kind of like that party or that kind of like governing thought um which is usually proves to be probably the biggest challenge um, in, in anything is when we're trying to convince them that, you know, this whole idea, this governing thought that we've been trying to push all the way through the design and it comes back and it's maybe a little bit more expensive than we thought it was going to be um, trying to maintain and hold on to it. I just threw an image into our show notes because it had a, when when we all went to the Barnes Foundation building back in Philadelphia at the last uh, AIA convention that so we much went to, love for that building. Uh, there was a, a recognition plaque. I think it's like a stainless steel plaque or something. It's out in the courtyard, and it had all of the individuals who were part of the design and construction of that. And right there, stamped into this plaque, or you know, it's not really a plaque. It's not like a bronze plaque, but it's this really cool in memoriam of everybody, you know, just kind of taking a, a snapshot of everybody who was involved and putting their names on the building. I think that's one thing that's really interesting about this firm, you know, Billy Chen and Todd Williams, is that they actually signed their buildings. And this plaque also puts a name to everybody who worked on it, but right there on the plaque is the is a, a party diagram. And I just Right, I like that. It's it's just a neat architectural way to um kind of bring it all back together and explain that show, I guess, how that did make it all the way through. It's pretty cool. So Cormac, what about you guys? You guys have like this, this open awareness about the party. Yes. In fact, actually that, like I said, you know, the, one of the first things that we talk about is what's the big idea. What, what are we trying to convey? What we know, what kind of building it's going to be. We know it's usually been something that may have been spawned off on one of our planning efforts or things like that. So you know, there's this governing idea of how it fits into the overall long-term vision. Um, but now we're kind of hyper-focused down on this one little building. And so now that we're looking at that, how does that, you know, have a micro view, macro view? And so then how does like that talk to everything else? And it's just so, yeah, actually the great thing about our principals in charge are they're very hyper aware of the um the big idea um the one the the difference between you know and i was going to mention this with neil is like the difference between some of the stuff that we're doing and the some of the stuff that you're doing is we're doing one-off buildings mm -hmm. and so there's a little bit of freedom in one-off buildings than there is with things that you know have certain expectations to them that you know okay this is a residential house and and so or a residential um uh, complex or things. And this is what we expect out of these things. And so you, you have, you know, the constraints of expectations that this has got to be so generally marketable to everybody that you've got users that can come from every walk of life and, and it's got to meet everybody's. And, you know, a lot of times, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't have kind of like this universal appeal. Uh, but a lot of times we, you know, get the luxury of being able to cater to a singular audience. And a lot of times that gives us a little bit of freedom in something in things that we do, but anybody who is kind of approaching the design has basically got to do a, you know, a, a party kind of statement. And first we've got to kind of, everybody's got to kind of buy off on it and says, okay, yeah, this makes sense. Or really, this is that, that's your party is you want to have this chair, you know, put in this particular location and everything's built around it, <laughs> you know, whatever. I'm just making whatever up. And so the, the good thing is, is like I said, it's just everybody, once we kind of establish that vision and it's not just, we're establishing the vision, it's, we're establishing the vision with the client, you know, and it's, it's cause it's, we're establishing their vision. And, you know, so as we're going through all of this and once we get buy off on everybody who's involved with it, 
we always try to readdress it every time we go from yeah. step one that's a, concept. That's a good thing. Good way to do it. Yeah. Reinforce it every step of the way. So we, we just finished DD um, and did our DD submission, but there were some changes that came post DD. In the very first thing that was asked once we started looking at um, these changes was how does this help, hurt, reinforce, whatever your big vision, you know, or your big idea. And that was the first question that, you know, he asked me and, and it was just like, well, you know, to be quite honest with you, it actually, the change was a good change, you know, cause there was, you know, we had this one thing and it was, it was successful. But to me, there was this just kind of like nagging, like, well, you know, could it be more, be, you know, can it be more? And then at this stage, you know, with being at DD, can it be more, but still not cost any more than what we've already budgeted for. And the good thing is, it's literally all I did was I took a center, you know, we, I can't say I, you know, this was a group effort. We took like this, it, it was a, a, a common space that, you know, was more of a wedge shape and we squared it off. Um, and it helped a lot with kind of clarifying the diagram. It helped a lot with clarifying the structural diagram. Um, detailing and things like that it helped out a lot but how did that change help or hurt the big idea and that was the first question is if we make this change what is it going to do to the big idea is it going to change it is it going to modify it do we have to like rethink the idea you know now do we have to force an idea on this (laughs) exactly exactly and and no it 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 reinforced the, you know, this idea that we had. And, um, and, and I thought it feels good to be in a place where everybody has this very conscious, uh, direction for the building and everybody is working towards maintaining that vision all the way through, you know, because I mean, a lot of times we'll get to a point where it's like, okay, the vision starts and stops in, you know, in, in schematic design, or maybe it's a, it trickles into DD, but Oh, now, now we're in construction documents. Let's just do construction documents. Let's detail it out the way it was. And sometimes as you're starting to go through this thing and you starting to work it out and make it buildable, sometimes things that you're doing kind of hinder kind of like this grand vision of what you had in, so you have to reanalyze some things and how do we get back to that vision? How do we get back to that that big idea if what we're doing detailing-wise doesn't quite get to where we're going? Then you kind of reanalyze it. But the good thing is, is that you're reanalyzing all the way through and making sure that it's working. Yeah. And and so that that's been very encouraging at uh at ASG is to really, you know, every single person in there actually gives a shit about what the big idea is at every single point, even in specs, even in specs, when you're doing just what sometimes is considered one of the most mundane things is how are these specs supporting the big idea? I had an example this week where I went and presented basically a party to the client for the first time. It was this project that we're redoing and it's completely different than anything we've done before with this client. And I was, you know, I, I, you walk in there and, and this idea is vulnerable, right? It's the first time they're going to hear it. (laughs) And, and there's definitely some stress involved with that. You know, I'm kind of worried that, okay, what if I wonder how they're going to react to this? And it's not like, there's not a fear in putting it out there. There's a fear in their reaction <laughs> to what that could possibly be. It, exa- because it could exactly. be like, okay, well, all this was for nothing. Go back and start over. Um, and, and the hope, obviously, is that that doesn't happen. But I think what's, what's interesting is that people, clients, I guess was what I mean by people, is that people who don't do architecture are wanting to latch on to something like this because it creates that story that they can get involved with in the project, they get to be a part of that. And when you can get it to its most clear terms so that it's totally 
understandable and they can latch onto it, they run with it. And they'll take that story and they'll tell everybody else and it'll get those people excited about the project. And so when I'm going, you know, I'm, I'm doing this little field house and it's for the football team for this college and I'm trying to give it an identity, right? It's like, okay, we don't have a lot of money to work with, Let what, but what can we do? to not just make this the most basic building and and actually make it their home on the campus. Because I think what's important, I guess the reason I'm bringing this up is that even if you have extremely constrained budgets or site conditions or whatever it is, it doesn't matter what it is. Uh, maybe you've got an extremely limited materials palette. There's still ways to to get that big idea in there. And you don't have to spend a lot of money to do it. I think something that scares a lot of people away from practicing this way is that they just have some kind of a sense that it's more expensive to do this. And people don't want to spend extra money, right? Everybody's got a tight budget. So so how do you make something interesting, meaningful, whatever, um, when when you have these these constraints? And so that's kind of our job, right, is to figure out how we can do that. And so once I explained this idea, they were like, yes, let's do this. I mean, it was it was so one-sided. It was so black and white. It wasn't, it wasn't wishy-washy at all. It was like, I love this. I never thought we could have done something like this with the numbers that we're talking about. And so, and, and it was because I went in there very informed. I had already met with a structural engineer and a mechanical engineer before we even talked to the client for the first time, just to make sure that we felt like we could deliver what we're going to talk about. And, and so that confidence obviously helped me in my presentation with reinforce that. But it was one of those things where it was like, okay, are you going to think this idea is really stupid <laughs> or, or are you going to flip the other way, which I'm hoping, which is. Yes, let's do this. Let this is the the direction, and this is what we're going to tell everybody the direction is. And I think again, it just kind of helps reinforce when when you can make a clear idea stand out like that. That client or that owner jumps on it and owns it from then on out. And the cool thing about that is, if you were to come back later and have it, that party all screwed up, they would be like, "But what happened to the to the to the idea? Like, where'd that go?" Um, and so it keeps us all accountable now to make sure that that happens and because the owner's expecting it and they want it. And I think that's kind of an interesting um, thing about architecture that might be different from other art forms where because they're so involved in the process the whole way through um, that they have this expectation that it happens. Whereas like if you have some other art form where it's just kind of the, the mind of the artist it's all on them to make sure that it happens. And if it doesn't, well, nobody knew about it. So so you, there won't be any questions anyway. It's kind of rewarding to be, to have done all of that work ahead of time, to, to then to present this idea to them and them, you know, coming in with such clear thought and such a well laid out idea and kind of putting their big concerns, obviously, you know, well, this is great, but can we afford it kind of thing? And putting that immediately to rest by saying, yes, you can afford it because this is what we were looking. We looked at this and to make sure we didn't want to present you something that was unachievable. Because um, that's that's always like the the most fearful thing is, you know, you're presenting these big, great, grand ideas. And are they achievable or are they something that's just going to kind of fall apart as you start to develop the budget or you get say like a CM on board and he's like, well, you know, you remember how you wanted to do this? Well, you can't cause you can't afford it. Yeah. That, that was the thing with, with this particular presentation. It was like an owner's rep and a, a CM in the room. Those were the two people I'm presenting to. And, and it's like, if, if anybody's going to say, no, it's going to be one of those people, right? Right. And right. so that's that's kind of the scary part about it, I think. And so when you get both of their heads nodding, uh, you know, the, the the CM's going, "Yeah, this is this is totally doable. I think this is the right direction." And the owners, that's just yeah, awesome. It, it is an awesome feeling, and it doesn't always go that way, but um, but when it does, I mean, it's hopefully, I mean, that's the goal, right? It's it's one of those things, and I think 
what's what's fun at the end is to compare that final product with that original diagram and you've got that story that connects those two dots together and the, if the client knows that whole story which doesn't always happen in public work like this so there's a lot of you know swapping in and swapping out of people and and the guard changes quite often but if that doesn't happen right. if it does stay i mean it's just one of the the best most rewarding things about doing what we do is when they say this totally goes all the way back to that sketch or that diagram and i think that's what makes it such a strong rewarding statement is when they can see those two dots getting connected and they get to tell everybody about it and then all those people get to say you know that story lives with the project and because people want to be a part of that story so it's it's a really neat thing to experience at the end and i think as architects we see this when i was in scandinavia over the summer i'm looking at alto's buildings and i can totally see it because you can i mean architects document stuff right so luckily We've mm -hmm. got those original diagrams and we've got, we can go experience the final outcomes and we can connect those dots. But, um, in our, the, the projects that we do, I mean, we're really relying on the people who are going to be in those buildings and they are the ones who are going to tell that story to all their colleagues and the other users of the buildings. And then that I think really de determines a lot of the success of the project. So it's not for nothing, right. To do all this and to think about this and to do this, you know, what probably a lot of people think is a foo-foo type of stuff that they don't want to waste their time doing. I mean, it, it really does have a lot of usefulness and meaningfulness to the final outcome and overall success of the project. Right, right, absolutely. Well, did we beat that topic to death? I'm sure there's a lot more we could say, but I'm not thinking of it at the moment. All right, well, before we go, we'd like to thank our episode sponsors. First, we have RCAT. Check out all the features they offer at arcat.com. We're also sponsored by CORE, powered by BQE. CORE revolutionizes the way architects manage projects, time and expenses, billing and accounting. CORE saves you time while giving you the visibility, flexibility, and power you need to grow your firm. Learn more and get a free trial at bqe.com slash CORE. And hey, do you want more ArcaSpeak? Then visit ArcaSpeakPodcast.com where you'll find links to our catalog of episodes. And while there, make sure you sign up for our newsletter. By doing so, you'll be notified when an episode goes live and it will include links to everything we mention in that show's episode. To stay in contact between episodes, check out our Facebook page or hit us up on Twitter. You can find links to those accounts over at ArcaSpeakPodcast.com. Remember to tell a friend and stay subscribed, everyone. And thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye. I joined the choir to sing. They're all competing for some other thing. I joined the choir to sing. I joined the choir to sing. They're all competing for some other thing. I join the choir to sing Join the choir to sing
one thing. 